Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you do the dance between the ritual space and the virtual space. My guest this week is Sin Gomez, who is working to make change on many different issues. I learned so much through this conversation with Sin and was so inspired by the way they are using their past experiences to inform their activism and then ultimately give back to the community they grew up in. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Sin Gomez. I'm Sin. Um, I use he, they pronouns. Uh, I go to UC Berkeley. I'm an incoming third year uh, study social welfare. Um, and a couple of minors I ended up taking on along the way were race in the law and Spanish. Uh, for me, a lot of it is centered on, um, you know, being there for my community and gaining as much knowledge as I can about these spaces that have traditionally been out of our reach, just not necessarily open to us, but also intentionally exclusive uh, against us. So that's kind of why I do most of the things that I do. Uh, I got my start in a lot of my public speaking or anything else. Um, a lot of opportunities came from uh, the mental health organization that I participated in in high school called NAMI, and they got me connected with other organizations like um, Mental Health America. And kind of all of that has let me be able to start my mental health work, just sharing my story, but expanding my my opportunities to be able to have a platform to talk about queer issues, disability issues, Latina issues, and general conversations on indigeneity, uh, rematriation, uh, also like anti-Blackness and how the Latino community can do their part in all of this. And yeah, that's a bit about like what I do. I'm passionate about law and I really want to see where that takes me and learn that system as another way to mobilize my community. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Sin, and I am excited to dive deeper about some of these issues that you're working on. I want to start off by just asking you to share a little bit more about your background. Can you tell me more about what inspired you to get started with this work? Yeah, so what got me started? Um, I think the nature of my family is a big part of why I even started doing any of this. And it started, I think it goes as far back as maybe 2015 when I really started seeing the political parts of my family and our existence. Um, so I, I say 2015 because that was when uh, I saw one of the, one of the earlier experiences for me really watching the Obama administration and understanding what the ac actions meant and the implications of, of it. So one day me and my mom were just watching the news like we did every morning. And yeah, it just so happened to be that that day that um, Obergefell uh, versus Hodges happened and same-sex marriage was legalized. And I remember my mom, I didn't know that I was queer at the time. And I remember it being feeling significant and hearing my mom just as she was folding blankets in her room saying like, oh, that's nice. Like, that's a, that's cool. And she moved on with her day. And I think that 
knowing that my mom would be an ally was a really important part of my experiences, but also just helped me see that my life and my existence was affected by politics and affected by the government. And after that, I think, uh, you know, it took a really sharp turn for, for the worst um, for my family uh, with the Trump administration. It did a 180 where I also saw how much harm it, an administration can do to your family. I'm a family of like mixed status and um, being worried about my relatives and, and my immediate family was uh, an ugly feeling. And I remember also wondering um, what it would mean for folks like my dad, who was or who is a union worker and just seeing how him and his community um, would also be mobilized uh, in a very different way. And me and my siblings struggling with our mental health was kind of a constant in my life growing up. And as I grew up, I also saw how intergenerational it was, um, seeing how mental health affected my grandma, how it affected my dad and my mom and them not having the language to really understand it. And me and my sisters being the first ones to actually have the language and have to teach them what it means and what all these feelings are, um, were a couple of things that I learned throughout my adolescence and really gave me footing to know what where my heart lies what the issues on the table are for me and how they extend out into other communities uh was kind of my journey throughout high school and as i mentioned i was in my mental health club in high school but i was also in volunteer organizations like we club where we were able to see the international community and see the international scope of issues and how these things that felt very individualized or um, like Western weren't necessarily the the kind of imperialist and capitalist system that we were existing in also meant a lot of harm for other folks. So I think that that realization also in high school um, with my compounding identities, my compounding struggles and like all of that helped me see that there was one, a way that I could contribute to this larger community, but two, uh, a way that I can use this as a way for me to help um, those around me. I think education and seeing just how much I had to teach folks around me growing up in a predominantly Latina community was my mission. Like I wanted people just to know whether or not you act on it, whether or not you're mobilized with me. That's not my, I'm not on a conquest to get folks mobilized. I'm on a conquest to have folks know what their options are, what's on the table, especially for folks who, yeah, as I mentioned, have been historically kept out of it. So seeing how my undocumented friends, my undocumented family, having to navigate these spaces without any support or feeling that the system and knowing that the system is fundamentally in opposition to your existence is where I'm finding my footing now. Um, understanding how these systems target and centralize harm on different communities at different times in an effort to break us down individually. And I had a conversation recently with um, a classmate of mine and just understanding the history of this country. Um, you know, communities have been targeted one by one. So that way it's almost the domino effect. Like, it was Black folks in 2020 that was really prominent. The year after that, it was the Asian American community. The year after that, it's it, and it just, it does it in a way that not only consumes communities, but makes it in a way that other communities who understand that experience in a similar way are unable to help 
because they've just been kicked equally <laughs> as hard down um, by these systems right before. Um, so I think learning all of these things and knowing it has kind of put me in a position where I am able to say what I, I have the language to say what I need to say. And that has opened up a lot of spaces for me. Like I mentioned Mental Health America, but other spaces like my community on campus, the city of Berkeley, working in San Francisco, um, helping in my city um, council back home, all of these different spaces have been opened up to me because I am wanting to educate folks and wanting to break down that kind of institutional barrier, that glass ceiling um, that many folks don't really know how to get past. And I'm one of the few in my hometown that actually did get past it when it comes to college. So I'm trying to see how many more barriers there are. So that way, you know, my little hometown can be on the map, but also that the next folks behind me don't see it as impossible as it feels like every step of the way. But yeah, that's a bit about me or what got me started. Um, and I'm happy if there's any follow-up, like I, I'm happy to answer anything else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And thank you for sharing the stories with me. So as you're talking, it's really making me think about how important and how prevalent intersectionality is in your activism. And it makes perfect sense as to why your activism would be intersectional because you identify as a part of so many different communities. But I would love to know your thoughts on that intersectionality of your activism. Do you find it to be comforting that you're a part of these different spaces and can be supported by so many people? Or do you find it overwhelming to balance these different issues? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that part of your activism. Yeah, <laughs> definitely cuts both ways, I think, of uh, being really empowering, um, but also makes the job 10 times harder. Um, I think for folks who focus on like climate activism or immigration or um, combating racism individually, I have so much respect for folks um, who do that. I feel like that's that's the hard work. That's exactly where it's day in and day out, heart and soul of everything you do. Um, my work has been very interesting because it's, it's very different from that. Um, and I think the strength that comes with it is that it's able like the work that I do or the conversations I have with folks are in an effort to not be able to navigate issues one at a time I think a lot of a lot of the way we navigate American society in general is one issue at a time you see it manifest most prominently in political campaigns where you know there's a speech for this issue a speech for this issue there's a day and a time for this and that and the other um but it's never really acknowledging all of the things all of the time it's um i i think of it right now as it's bipoc mental health awareness month like that's exactly how i'm seeing the shifts happen like there's not only like mental health awareness month but now there's understanding these intersections and um it, that's what makes my heart happy is that we're able to start seeing that um and yeah I think the good part is also the way that understanding and working within these systems understanding the intersectionalities of of trauma of harm of identities of empowerment um is that you're able to coalesce, you're able to build intersectional communities. It's not the climate community exclusively, it's not the Black Lives Matter movement exclusively, it's not undocu issues exclusively, um, but you're able to see how there's 
black queer undocumented folks that there's like all of these various ways that communities can empower each other and see that the barriers that were in place or the divisions that were in place before were for the intention of keeping us apart because you know you saw it most prominently with like the poor people's movement it's not only that you're poor it's that you're white it's that you're black it's that you're indigenous all of these identities that you realize that these systems were created to keep us all apart because we would be stronger together and that's the empowering part for me and what makes me most excited about this work. It gives me the opportunity to work with so many other folks who are the experts in their field and come and learn and include it in what I'm doing and, you know, carry it out in a very different way that uplifts their work and um, highlights that these communities or these experiences or these resources exist. But as you were also saying, like it, it can get really hard to um, do all of that at the same time. I mean, just the logistics of it, um, how do you navigate, you know, all of these issue areas at the same time? And I think that's one of the difficult parts. Uh, another one might be that, uh, yeah, just how much you realize or how prevalent it becomes that all of these things are intersectional, everything all the time. It doesn't really stop. And for folks uh, who have been marginalized, you know, it's your everyday experience, but once you have the language and like the knowledge, it doesn't really stop. And for me, like seeing how my friends are struggling or seeing how my family is struggling, I can't help but think at the bigger of the bigger picture of what put them in this position, what history, what um, targeted attacks, what his, like what historical violence has happened. Um, and I think that's the hard part is that for a lot of folks, I, I hope that this is like a shared experience. And I, I'm pretty sure it is that, you know, even if you try to do your work from a nine to five, the nature of this type of community work um, doesn't ever stop. And your thought process on it, your focus on it doesn't ever stop. And when you look at it intersectionally, I feel like that just compounds it times 10. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that's the hard part, but the the joy that comes from finding that community and embracing that community and learning from folks who don't have the same experiences from you and uplifting their uh, experiences and their joys is, is also a very unique experience that that doesn't really get as much focus um, when you're looking at specific issue areas. Um, a lot of times you focus on the struggle as well in that aspect when you're looking at a single issue at a time. But when you're looking at it all together, not only do you see the harm, but you also get the chance to look at the beautiful intercultural, intercommunity joy and resilience that comes from that space. So I think that all of it is super valuable and necessary um, just in the nature of the work that I do. Yeah, I love that. And I'm so glad that you have this perspective to look at the challenges, but also the beauty. And of course, these identities are what make you, you. And there's so much beauty in your activism because of that. So I would also love to know, as you're talking about law and education and making sure that your community and those around you are educated about the problems they're facing and, of course, the possible solutions, what are some of the changes that you would like to see or that you're hoping to make with your activism work? What is the, I guess, the end goal of the work you're doing? What are those solutions you'd like to see with your work? Yeah, I think this will probably be like my most Berkeley Bay Area answer possible. Um, because coming here has taught me so much 
more that can happen outside of the scope of the state, um, the state in like the most general sense of government in general. I've learned how much value can come from community. And I think that that's what's going to prevail at the end of the day. Community and the, the work that we do every day is, is what's going to be the change. Uh, I see it in organizations here, um, like in Oakland, with like Homies Empowerment, where it's the community coming together, realizing that the state isn't necessarily there and isn't planning to be there anytime soon. And for me, grappling with the law is very hard, um, especially in the sector that I want to focus in, which would either be in some scope of like, um, whether it be tribal law or immigration law or um, civil human rights law, like those are the those are the fields that I'm focusing on and honing in on a bit. But understanding that these are my issue areas or the focuses that I'm manifesting all of my energy into when it comes to the law uh, makes it easier to know what ways, what barriers have been in place already for us. And my whole thing is to take the the law like and just go fuck shit up with it. Like that's ultimately like my goal um, is that people deserve to know what the people who had the knowledge 10, 20, 50, hundreds of years ago what they did to keep us out of it. And I want folks to know, I think the nature of knowing what the landscape around you looks like is the most daunting thing for most folks um, because ignorance is bliss, but also what can lead to self-empowerment. I can talk to someone all day trying to, you know, using my phone banking scripts, using my canvassing skills, using all of these things that I have. But at the end of the day, if they don't see that they're an equal stakeholder in this fight, then that's there's nothing I can do about that. I can come and have a conversation the next day and the next day and the next day until hopefully that's what happens. But my job isn't to come and change people's minds, but instead feel that they see some part of themselves in me and some part, I hope to see some part of myself in them and see that we are equals in this fight. And yeah, when all of that coalesces to how I understand the law or why I want to focus on the law, it's a simple fact of someone has to be there. And we're seeing a generation of lawyers that are these activist lawyers that I look up to so much um, just by the nature of how much they put on the line as well. So that's kind of, I wanna be someone who is able to come to the community, be in community, and also be someone who takes the community to these spaces. Um, if I ever get into a position where I'm able to, to do that at a, at a big scale, like my job isn't going to be to be like, oh, these are the issues for said community. This is what we should do. No, my job is to be like, this is someone from that community. Listen to them. And this is what we're doing together. Um, and that's ultimately why I want to understand the law. I want to be able to reiterate it and break it down in a way that doesn't make it so hard. And as someone with like a learning disability, I think it my journey is going to be 10 times harder than most folks. And I'm okay with that. Like that's, that's okay with me. Um, as long as that's something that is open for the next person, that's digestible and understandable and not intimidating for the next person. And what I think could come next and what I hope for the future is reinvestment. Communities, like I said, like we, especially in the Bay area, 
have found such strongholds in, in, in community that reinvesting in these spaces, reinvesting away from, you know, budgets that we have no idea where the money's going, budgets that, you know, are only causing more harm to these communities. These are the, these are the ways we can re, reintegrate into community, recenter on indigenous practice that has given so much energy and so much light into community and has done so much good that I think that is where I would hope the future to go. It's reinvesting not only in community spaces, but in schools, in recreational centers, in access to, you know, sustainable Wi-Fi, access to uh, technology and access to access to the state in a way that is understandable. I think a lot of like undocu folks who don't know the system that they're engaged with they understand their positionality within that system, but not necessarily what their rights are. And I think that's part of like the most heartbreaking aspect of it is that for many folks, not having the access to knowledge is what gets you removed from your family. It's what get, gets you removed from your community. And sometimes it's what kills you. And that's the nature of this system that consumes and destroys really does. So dismantling that, I believe, is in community. Um, and it sounds like the most simple thing, but the nature of like capitalism and the system that we're existing in is an individualized system. It is supposed to have you be nine to five, come home, too tired to mobilize, too tired to work, um, a double shift, too tired to be in community. All of these things that break a person down. I really want folks to know that there is an alternative, that there is another option. And there's so much rhetoric around basically any other political thought besides capitalism that um, cap or political economic thought that besides capitalism that has been shut down as as an intentional mechanism of the state that I want folks to know that that's that was the purpose. That was the intention. And yeah, I think that's why I center on knowledge so hard. And there's always a constant growth that comes with you know, being open to learning more. Um, and yeah, I think the law intersects as just my crutch to be working with, my space to be able to, you know, be a stakeholder and be in these spaces and have some sense of legitimacy. Because the shitty thing is, is that organizers, unless you're the, the top of the top, like you're the main issue of the year, you're the main person, you're not getting the recognition for all of your labor and all of your time and that you rightfully deserve. So I want to be able to not only bring folks into this space with me, but be someone that is legitimized in a really shitty way, but someone that has that stake um, and has that legitimacy, understanding the law and knowing that, you know, you aren't going to screw us over anymore. Like we know now. Yeah, I think it manifests in, in rematriation and it manifests in reappropriation and yeah just divestment of certain spaces that do more harm than good thank you so much for explaining all of that and i completely agree with you about education as a public service and a form of activism and just how it's so important to educate yourself and then use that knowledge to educate others so i would love to ask you to share some advice now Lots of young people, especially college students and high school students, want to create change and they want to make a difference, but they may not know where to get started. Do you have any advice for those people who may be listening? 
Yeah, uh, probably a couple of things. Like, I know when I was getting started, like the the real like grind for me started in 2020, uh, similar to like thing, spaces like these. Like, um, and I remember just feeling paralyzed by how like the, the weight of everything on you. Um, all of the realizations, all of the context, everything was a lot. So I just want folks to know, like first and foremost, that like you are seen in that that this is where you are, and that's equally as valid as someone who's been doing community organizing for the last 30 years. Like you are the next generation of that. You are carrying on that legacy um, by just being curious first um, and learning first. And my recommendation would be to get involved in those spaces. Um, That's one thing, or if it doesn't exist, be confident that community will come as you make this space. If it doesn't already exist, I think that that was one of my barriers and what I wish I had done while I was home. Or maybe if there was like COVID or something, if something was different, um, I would have loved to be that stakeholder that was able to create space, a physical space that, you know, all of us young folks, all of us people who were curious to take up arms and learn what that looks like for us. I wish I had that physical space. So if it already exists for you, check it out, go learn. The, the worst thing they could say is like, no, don't come in. Like, (laughs) like genuinely, there's only so much growth that can come from it. Um, and the hardest part is making your journey to that space. Um, but I assure you, once you're there, not only will you find community, but you will find empowerment to know that you aren't alone in that. Um, and if that space doesn't exist, uh, I hope that you are able to find empowerment in yourself and the online spaces that exist right now to create that physical space. My note of caution is to not leave it online. A lot of folks feel mobilized in in the virtual space, which is an amazing thing and a, a huge knowledge source. But a lot of times it doesn't extend into the real world. And that's that's the hardest part is that we also are working within a system run by elders who don't respect the platforms that we are using now and I think knowing that this is the dance that we have to do right now is in the virtual space and in the physical space that's we just have to exist in this hybrid mode um understanding as a generation the tool of technology and taking it into previous generations and having an equal stake in that space um so I I encourage you anyone like to do that dance to to know the virtual space and know the physical space create the physical space and reach out like to your community and whether it's your your best friend your mom your dad your guardian your siblings um your teacher someone there's bound to be one other person in this fight with you uh whatever the issue may be uh and there's also more often than not probably a community of hundreds of thousands of people online already on Discord, already on Geneva, already on uh, Slack, all of these spaces that are also here to help you come into the space and be 10 steps ahead than any other generation before us. We know how to navigate it now. And that knowledge is literally a touch away. um, And that resource is there. And I, I, I encourage you to reach out and send a DM, send an email, talk to folks, have that in, in-person interaction and just know that what you're saying and what you're fighting for has value. It's where your heart is and that's that's enough. 
yeah, I think that that would be my word of advice. <laughs> I learned so much through this conversation with Sin, and they really encouraged me to think about the deep systemic issues in the United States, but also presented so much positivity and hope for the way that Gen Z in particular can make change in the future. I want to highlight one of the points that Sin made at the end of our conversation, which was about navigating between the ritual space and the virtual space. I love this point that Sin made because I think that social media has been a source of division between generations and for all of the ways that it's empowered change. It's also detracted from the potential of some movements because social media is sometimes not accepted or is inaccessible by older generations. I think, as Sin mentioned, because of these barriers, it's so important to make sure that we don't leave our activism and advocacy online but rather bring it in person through other tangible methods of change making in order to better include and educate other generations as well. So much of what Sin said really hit home for me and made me think, but when it comes to activism and advocacy on social media, I especially loved and will remember Sin's advice about how change comes when you do the dance between the ritual space and the virtual space. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can connect with Sin on Instagram at the Sin Gomez to get connected with them. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.